CBC admits they pushed fake news. The legacy media wage a war against Maxime Bernier while also doubling down on an accusation that conservatives are racist. Plus, we'll talk about why you should never, ever, ever listen to the legacy media and their narrative. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Candace Welker Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Friday. This is the day of the week where we go through the most egregious lies that get pushed by the legacy media. We deconstruct them and we talk about why so much of the information that gets pushed in the legacy media is fake news. So sometimes here at the Candace Welcome Show, we come across a story that's just so delicious, so rewarding. And I'm going to focus on this story a bit today. So you may remember this story back in November 2020, almost a year ago. My colleague Anthony Fury over at the Toronto Sun put out a really good report in the Toronto Sun talking about the comorbidity rate that came along with COVID-19. He was using official statistics released by the health department over in Alberta, and he basically found that the overwhelming majority of deaths in that province were of people who had more than three comorbidities. So people who were suffering serious other illnesses caught covid died. We don't know if they died from COVID or from their other illnesses. This was kind of something that wasn't really out in the open in that part. It was a big report and no surprise, a lot of people were sharing it on social media. One of the people who shared that was conservative MP Rachel Harder, the MP from Lethbridge. Well, the CBC being the CBC and doing what they do, they put out a really, really silly story. So this is the original story. It says Lethbridge MP under fire for sharing article on COVID deaths, comorbidities, and restrictions. This is like the worst kind of journalism, bottom of the barrel, really, really bad clickbaity kind of stuff. So basically what happens is a news reporter, rather than writing an opinion piece, rather than being honest about their own views and putting them forth as an opinion piece to the audience, they pretend that they're doing journalism. Usually they'll go out and they'll find an expert that agrees with them and it'll be like, expert says so-and-so. But when they can't even find an expert, they resort to one step lower, which is social media reacts or social media outrage over this piece, which is really just to say, me as a journalist, I don't like this piece. So I've cherry picked like five angry dudes on Twitter who share my views and I'm going to write a story, construct an entire story around this. So this is exactly uh, what we saw here. The journalist uh, at the CBC called Brian Labby. He writes, uh, Rachel Harder shared article that says just 10 otherwise healthy people have died of COVID in Alberta. And again, he just finds like very random people, like not people of interest, not public figures, not like other politicians or like public officials of any kind. He just finds like random people out there who were super angry about this and they're ranting. And the whole story is is based around that. So no surprise, this is the kind of stuff that CBC puts out all the time. The reason I'm talking about it today and the reason why it is so delicious is because there was a complaint about this article. The CBC ombudsman took a look at this report and they came up with a conclusion that the complaints about this piece were correct. The piece did not live up to their standards. And so now there's a little editor's note at the top of this article, it says, this article was updated on January 11th, 2021 to better reflect the views of Ms. Harder and contextualize some of the reactions to her original post. So this is where this all came from. Blacklock's reporter had a piece earlier this week saying CBC regrets slandering MP. The CBC has expressed regrets over a garbled online story that depicted re-elected conservative MP Rachel Harder as callous and ignorant. 
Records detailed snide questions from a CBC Calgary reporter who falsely accused the MP of spreading misinformation about COVID. I agree we failed to live up to the high standards we set for ourselves on several fronts, wrote Helen Henderson, senior director at CBC Calgary. Henderson added, the piece fell short of what we deem acceptable. Let me reiterate that I regret we did not live up to our and our audience's expectations of CBC News. The CBC last November posted a website story headlined, Lethbridge MP under fire for spreading misinformation about COVID deaths in Alberta. The article recited social media users' comments after MP Harder on her Facebook page posted a November 17th Toronto Sun story. That was a story by my colleague Anthony Fury. The story goes on to say the Sun item correctly stated that a majority of COVID deaths occurred among patients with pre-existing medical conditions like dementia. Figures were supported by subsequent data from Statistics Canada and the Canadian Institute of Actuaries, which put the average age of COVID victims at 86. The CBC account read Harding's sharing of an article on Facebook that says only 10 otherwise healthy people have died of COVID-19 in Alberta has triggered angry responses from people who say she is showing a lack of compassion and empathy for those who have died of the disease. The CBC quoted a Calgary doctor as stating MP Harder has little respect for human life. Another person was quoted, it seems as if our officials feel that it is okay that so many people died simply because they have pre-existing conditions. Goes on to say MP Harder called the CBC story bent in Accurate and sensationalized, CBC ombudsman Jack Nagler agreed the story appeared manufactured. I am not a big fan of stories based on outrage over social media, he wrote, and that there was no question data in the original Toronto Sun story were accurate, he wrote. The ombudsman called the CBC version a significant failure that failed to test a balance under the Crown Broadcasters Journalistic Standards and Practices Guide. There were violations of policy, and I hope fervently that programmers will learn from their mistakes, wrote Nagler. The overall package was flawed, he wrote. CBC failed to meet their standards. The network released a text of a written exchange between MP Harder and Brian Labby, the CBC Calgary reporter who wrote the original story. Do you believe people with underlying pre-existing medical conditions are less valued? he asked. Do you think less of the people because they have pre-existing conditions? So you just see how completely biased the CBC reporter is. Even the CBC's own management, even their own ombudsman said the story is wrong. It's manufactured. It's trash. Yet for some reason, it still exists. It's still up on the CBC's website. But you kind of get a little glimpse into the process of just how biased the CBC is that even the CBC's own brass agrees that their journalism is fake and cannot be trusted. So pretty embarrassing moment over at the CBC and a little bit of indication for Anthony Fury and uh, MP Harder. So interesting to see. Moving on to another story that shows the anti-conservative bias that lives in the hearts of so many legacy media journalists. I'm talking about the story where a bunch of legacy media reporters decided after the election to run on this narrative that the PPC is actually a far-right neo-Nazi party. Like, actually neo-Nazi parties. Like, I, th- I think there's like seven or eight neo-Nazis in the entire country of Canada and the CBC and other legacy media outlets is convinced that the, re- the real base of Bernier's party is white nationalists, neo-Nazis and far-right extremists. And the, 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 the legacy media sort of act as like pack animals. When one outlet or one reporter has an idea for a story, it's like they all follow suit. That's why Ezra Levant calls them the media party because not only are they completely anti-conservative and their just innate bias is that they hate 
conservatives, they're also completely unoriginal, very dull, very boring, and they just follow what the other one does. So this is a perfect example of that. They all decided that Bernier's real base, um, you know, Maxime Bernier is a libertarian. He expanded his coalition in this past election because he really appealed to the anger and frustration that existed over really overzealous lockdown policies. So I would call him a pro-freedom, libertarian, anti-lockdown, just just a pro-freedom guy that was able to attract people from broad spectrum of Canadians uh, across the ideological spectrum, but also from diverse backgrounds, more so among people who come from more of a blue-collar background, I would say. And for, for the mainstream media, they just don't see it that way. They can only see it in this like very linear way that um, the conservatives are like the center-right party, even though they're more center or even center-left these days. And so the, the PPC must be to the right, and therefore they must be far-right. So they just come up far-right. Okay, if you're far-right, it means you're a racist. It means you're probably a Nazi. And they, they kind of just like do this paint-by-numbers thing. So apparently a whole bunch of them reached out to Maxime Bernier asking if Maxime Bernier was courting Nazis. Like seriously, straight up, the dumbest kind of thing, the worst insinuation about a person. You have Maxime Bernier, a freedom-lover libertarian, and you're accusing him of being a fascist. So for stupid journalists out there who don't know the difference between a libertarian, basically the concept of being a libertarian is that you don't want big government. You want very limited government, very small government, very controlled government. Whereas if you understand properly what a Nazi is and what a fascist is, they're on the other end of the spectrum in terms of authoritarians. They believe in big, all-powerful government, social control, controlled order, order at the threat of violence, which again is on the opposite end of the political spectrum from Maxime Bernier. So to the journalists who just don't understand this, maybe you should try reading a book. Just read one book about history and try to understand what a libertarian is versus what a far-right fascist is. I think it would serve the entire country very well. Regardless, uh, Bernier got a whole bunch of requests basically asking the same idiotic question. And so what did Maxime Bernier do? He took screenshots of these idiotic questions. He posted them on social media. He said, check the offensive request we've received yesterday and today from far-left activists masquerading as journalists. We tell them to get lost. Others wrote defamatory columns comparing our supporters to neo-Nazis and saying we are violent and racist. They're panicking, which is exactly right. Maxime Bernier is correct in this observation. These are not journalists. These are left-wing activists masquerading as journalists. And then he took the screenshots and shared the questions. I, I, I'm going to read a couple because they're just so steeped in left-wing ideology and woke ideology. And also you can kind of get a glimpse for how stupid reporters are because half these questions are incoherent and the people writing them are like illiterate or something. So this is a request from Global News. It says, I'm contacting you regarding a story on BIPOC voters. So BIPOC is an acronym, a new acronym, another new acronym among the left, and it means black, indigenous, and people of color. So basically just not white. That's that's what BIPOC means. So he says, I'm contacting you regarding a story about BIPOC voters and their feeling toward the PPC. They fear the PPC is pushing far-right extremism and allowing people who have xenophobic in the public to run as candidates. I just read it as it's written. You can tell that it's not very, it hasn't been proofread, let's just put it that way. Another email from the Hill Times, it says I'm working on a story about the violence and incidents of hate that was seen on the campaign trail. Another request, I spoke with political experts who share an opinion that the PPC ran an anti-immigratio 
platform that attracts and is endorsed by far-right groups, including neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And another request says, Mr. Balgord said the PPC is a party which has the support of white supremacists. Does the party believe it is supported by white supremacists? So again, they all just jump on the same narrative, pushing vile, vile stuff against Maxime Bernier. Good on him to hit back. Uh, the problem is Bernier goes probably a little too far with this one, and he retweets his original tweet, and he says this, if you want to write to these idiots to tell them what you think of their disgusting smear jobs, here are their email addresses. They want to play dirty, we will play dirty too. And he provides three email addresses to the three reporters. Of course, this is doxing. This goes against Twitter's rules. So not a good idea, Maxime Bernier, to dox these reporters. I will just say most reporters have a public email, so you can find these emails very easily on perhaps your Twitter bio or at the end of the story. Most journalists have a public email. So I don't think that Maxime Bernier was doxing in like the traditional sense he didn't share any new information that hadn't been out there but you know this idea to like hey these are the three journalists go after them not the smartest thing although i understand the anger that bernier was coming at so no surprise twitter restricted bernier's account for 12 hours and he was forced to take the tweet down so 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 the the, the problem with bernier is that even though he's right He's not very calculated. He, he's not very. Um, he's not very calculated. He's not very strategic about what he's doing. So he's just kind of acting uh, out of anger on Twitter, which feeds into the journalist playbook because this is exactly what they want. Right now, they get to write stories about how horrible Bernier is, about how he's not only is he far right and extremist, but he's dangerous and he's a threat to journalists. And so we saw lots of headlines that looked like this. We'll play dirty too. Twitter makes Maxime Bernier remove tweet calling reporters idiots and of course the Canadian Association of Journalism says going after reporters for doing their job is unacceptable and dangerous. Well, I'm old enough to remember what, a week and a half ago, when a handful of reporters from the rebel were ordered by a federal judge to be able to attend the leaders debate. So these journalists were deemed by a federal judge in Canada to be legitimate journalists and enabled them to attend the debate and ask their questions to the political party leaders. Both Justin Trudeau, the liberal leader, and Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, completely refused to engage with them, refused to answer their questions. And Justin Trudeau went on pretty much an unhinged tirade against the rebel media, basically blaming them for all the problems in society, blaming them for the protests, blaming them for a rise in conspiracy theories, and really, really not holding back in his attack and his hatred for right-wing uh, media outlets, right-wing Canadians and journalists. This is what that looked like. First of all, questions around accreditation were handled by the press gallery. Organizations like yours uh, that continue to spread misinformation and disinformation on the science around vaccines, around how we're going to actually get through this pandemic and be there for each other and keep our kids safe is part of why we're seeing such um, unfortunate uh, anger and lack of understanding of basic science. Your, I won't call it a media organization, your group of uh, individuals uh, need to take accountability for uh, some of the polarization that we're seeing in this country. And I salute all extraordinary hardworking journalists that put science and facts at the heart of what they do and ask me tough questions every day uh, but make sure that they are educating and informing canadians from a broad range of perspectives which is the last thing that you guys do 
So wait a minute, why is it okay for left-wing politicians to be deranged and angry and completely non-responsive to uh, journalists if they come from a conservative outlet or a right-wing outlet, but when you have a right-wing party reacting negatively to left-wing journalists who are doing activism journalism the same way as the rebel, uh, somehow it's like this national outrage is a threat to democracy, the Canadian Association for Journalism is chiming in. This is a completely silly double standard. And it's not just the Canadian Association of Journalism that's saying that. We have the statement that was put out by the CBC. It says, statement, recent online harassment of journalists. We at CBC Radio Canada add our voice in support of all journalists who are subject to online harassment and worse because of the work they do. It should be obvious to all Canadians that this harassment is unacceptable behavior. When the incitement to harass journalists comes from public figures, it is even worse. The work of journalists is vital to an informed public and a healthy democracy. Criticism comes with a job, but online harassment, particularly inciting others to attack someone for doing their job, puts the safety of people at risk. That the worst of this abuse targets women and racialized journalists should make clear just how dangerous this is. So again, remember when Justin Trudeau did that tirade? That was against a female rebel reporter. No statement from the CBC, no statement from the Canadian Association of Journalists. But when it is a right-wing politician doing it against left-wing activist journalists, then and everybody is so outraged. They call it harassment. They call it incitement. They say that it is an attack on healthy democracy. Forgive me if I'm a little skeptical that this is all just performative, anti-conservative, woke nonsense. Look, I agree. Bernier probably shouldn't have overreacted. He shouldn't have done what he did. It wasn't right. But this overreaction is just so silly. And again, that's why Bernier isn't as successful as he could be because he plays into the left-wing media. He allows them to shape this narrative against him and really falls in to their trap. So unfortunate to see, but yes, this is fake news, folks. Okay, next story here. Just a reminder that the left-wing media outlets in Canada are obsessed with race. All they want to do is divide us based on race, pit us against each other. All they care about is race. They're obsessed with it, and they're even more obsessed with it when they can use it as a club to bat conservatives, to beat conservatives, and this is what we're seeing today. So both the CBC and the Toronto Star ran with this story. The CBC writes, after Monday's vote, the Federal Conservative Caucus will be 95% percent white. And then the Toronto Star says, Aaron O'Toole promised to remake the Conservative Party, so why are his MPs so white and male? Of course, this is what they focus on. Of course, this is what they care about. They don't care about a member of Parliament's experience. They don't care about their aptitude, their background, their profession. They don't care about their character and their capabilities. What they care about, all they care about is identity politics, pushing this wedge issue, intersectionality. If you're white and male, you're part of the problem. Everyone else is accepted and good. And so, I mean, this is just patently obvious that they're trying to divide the country. They don't care. They don't even look at the makeup of the 95 white, 95% white uh, conservative caucus. They don't talk about how many of the MPs in the conservative caucus are immigrants or the children of immigrants. They don't talk about the social class. Maybe some of them grew up poor and made something of themselves, became successful. None of those things matter. The CBC and the Toronto Star only care about pitting us against each other on race. And it's even more interesting than that because the Toronto Star story talks about how there were a bunch of good candidates for the CPC who were from different backgrounds, who were Chinese or Arab or, or different backgrounds, but they didn't win their seats. So part of Aaron O'Toole's failed strategy in the last election was that he 
changed the party. He became a meek moderate. He was trying to appeal to suburban voters who typically vote liberal. And because that failed, the Conservatives ended up losing a lot of seats in and around Vancouver and the 905 the suburban belt around Vancouver. That's where a lot of their ethnic candidates or their non-white candidates were running. So even though the Conservatives had these candidates, they didn't win, which doesn't really say anything about the Conservatives other than the fact that Aaron O'Toole ran a bad campaign. It also says something about Canadians, that they didn't vote for those candidates, they voted for different candidates. So again, just this whole storyline is completely designed to pit us against each other. Canadians should rightly reject this. And the final thing I want to talk about today is after the 2019 election, there sort of became conventional wisdom that was pushed by the legacy media. The legacy media concluded that Andrew Scheer was too much of a right-winger, and that was a liability. They said that he was pro-life and that he was a Catholic, and those things were very, very bad, we were told. And so the solution to this was that the conservatives needed to moderate. They needed to run someone who wasn't pro-life. They needed to run someone who was more liberal in their social values. And for some reason, the Conservative Party went along with that. They listened to that. They believed that that was the correct analysis of the 2019 election. I think that following this past election, seeing Aaron O'Toole run as a moderate, run as a left-winger, lose, lose ground in the places that he was trying to win, we can safely say that that narrative that was crafted in 2019, mostly by the legacy media, mostly by people who do not vote Conservative, will never vote Conservative, don't have Conservative interests in mind or in their heart, they were wrong. It was absolutely not the right takeaway from that election. The reality is that Canadians want an alternative to the Liberals. They want a Conservative Party that's actually conservative. And so I think that while we're doing this whole post-election, post-mortem, trying to figure out what went wrong and what we can do to improve the Conservative movement in Canada, we shouldn't start now. We should start in 2019 take a look at the bad advice that we were given by the legacy media and keep this in mind that the legacy media is not in touch with Canadians. They're not insightful about conservative political campaigns. And basically conservatives should not listen, should not engage, should not take their advice to heart because we did that last time and it didn't turn out very well. Now the new narrative that's being formed by the legacy media is that Aaron O'Toole it did a great job. He deserves a second chance and that the country is just more left-wing now and that we should all just be resigned to that, accept it and embrace more social progressive wokeism in our conservative party that's the wrong message that is wrong ignore the legacy media they're not right they don't understand the country they don't understand the conservative movement and the less the conservatives listen to the legacy media the better off we all are the better off canada is thank you so much for listening everybody i'm candace malcolm and this is the candace malcolm show